Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the EKN Debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. This is episode number 77. It's Tuesday, March the 30th, 2021. My name is Rob Howden, joined by David Cole. Uh, in this particular Debrief podcast, part of our EKN Trackside Live coverage, we'll be diving into the race report from the 2021 Supercarts USA Pro Tour Winter Nationals, the event this past weekend, the opening round of the Pro Tour at NOLA Motorsports in Avondale, Louisiana. And this week's show is presented by OTK USA. All over the karting world, everyone knows OTK is the gold standard for quality and performance. In the United States, OTK USA is the source for all things OTK. From the legendary Tony Kart brand to the race-winning Cosmic and Express chassis, and now the new Red Speed and EOS brands, OTK quality is second to none. To learn more about a specific product line or to find a, the OTK dealer, US, uh, US dealer near you, uh, whether it's Tony Kart, Cosmic, Xpree, Red Speed, or EOS, visit www.otkusa.com. All right, David Cole, let's bring you in. I'll jump into the overview in a second. But man, busy weekend for you and I. I was down at NOLA. You were out at Sonoma. There was uh, there was a ton of racing going on. Uh, a lot of racers, over 350 drivers uh, racing at those two events. Yes, that's, that is the key element, I think, of the dual weekend that we just accomplished is the fact that uh, numbers are strong uh, within yeah. the United States, uh, obviously, because, you know, with the COVID-19 restrictions on Canada, it's kind of hard to judge, you know, <laughs> the numbers up there because one, it's not warm enough and two, <laughs> they can't, they can't come down to the United States and not have to, uh, to uh, follow the, uh, the guidelines set out by uh, the Canadian government. So, uh but I think I think we'll see the numbers be strong up in Canada as well uh, as we move into the summer months. But uh, it certainly bodes well for where the sport is right now uh, compared to where it was, you know, probably a few years ago. Yeah, no, I, no doubt about that. I think the sport is really strong you know, and people like to like to comment that they think it's down or struggling, whatever it may be. That's not what we're seeing. We're seeing great numbers everywhere. Clubs are strong. Regional series are strong. Obviously, the national series are strong. Record number at the USPKS event. Record number for CODA. Uh, over 210 drivers this past weekend at the Scusa Winter Nationals. So things are strong right now, for sure. Again, the event we're talking about right now is the Scusa Winter Nationals. The event was this past weekend, March the 26th, 27th, 28th at NOLA Motorsports down in Avondale, Louisiana, just outside New Orleans. First two rounds of the six-round championship. Uh, one drop, of course, uh, heading into the end of the season at the Summer Nats. Uh, David, 12th season of the championship began back in 2010 uh, this was the fourth running of the Winter Nationals. But, yeah, it's it's been cool that, that EKN, we've been there from the very beginning, from that very first race at Sonoma Raceway. Uh, we've been there for every, every event from then on. Yeah, unfortunately, I have not. Uh, this was my second one I missed. Yeah. I also missed the, the Summer Nationals that was held at uh, USA International Raceway, which is now U.S. Air Motorsports Park or some long crazy name uh, right. up there in Shawano, Wisconsin. Uh, wish I could have been there. Uh, unfortunately, the the one weekend we did have uh, two two events going on. But um, to to make that get into that 12th season, obviously, after the, the chaotic year that was 2020 and move forward with kind of what we saw in 2019 and what was supposed to be scheduled for the 2020 season uh, with our winter nationals, spring nationals and then summer nationals all at three pristine and and solid destination racetracks that that people want to go to and want to race at. So, a uh, good way to to start off the year going back to Nola, kind of getting that uh, 
that do over from last year and, and, and getting the season started on with two rounds of racing. Yeah, that's really what it felt like, you know, the unfinished business down down there that they everybody went down last year, got some practice in, but wasn't able to race. And this time, able to get everything done. Uh, Scott Sketchy Barnes said it well at the very end of Friday. He said, uh, at practice, he goes, we've already got farther than we did last year. So uh, good call on that. Weather, actually, David, better than we expected. You know, looking at the forecast coming into the event, uh, I, I was uh, trying to plan for potentially having – uh, tarps over top of us out in the outdoor Cooper Tire Broadcast Center. As you know, we're, we're outside there at that track uh, because it looked like it was going to rain on Saturday and Sunday. Well, it was warm and humid on both Friday and Saturday, but we had a consistent breeze. No rain at all on Saturday. It was a clean day. And the only rain that actually came on Sunday was kind of right at the very end of the pre-finals. And then that kind of trickled over into the mains where two of the races were actually, two of the main events were actually in the wet. Micro ran in the wet. And so did KA100 Junior, although... As we talk about when we get into the race report, a couple of drivers did go to drives. That was that transition race for sure. Um, otherwise, otherwise, great weather. Well, I I, uh, I wonder if you can call it like a three season porch, the Team Cooper Tire three season porch, because <laughs> because you know yeah. you were inside a building. It was you know you kind of were at a, a table, so it was the Team Cooper Tire Tire table, and then it became like a three season porch with the easy up and, and the, and <laughs> the walls. Is that a Michigan term? What is three oh, yeah. season porch? Oh yeah, come on. Well, you can't do it in the winter time. <laughs> well, I never, I've just never heard that term. So before. it's kind of, it's basically <laughs> like an you know a deck that has walls, but the walls have windows with screens, so you can all enjoy right. the summertime. You know, three not get bugs deck. all around you. You know, enjoy the spring, yeah. summer, and fall out in your three season porch. Three season porch. I love it. All right, let's look at the numbers. Uh, last year, when everybody went down to the Supernats, the number is actually not quite up to the 200. And that's kind of that number we always look at. This particular year, uh, we had a couple of walk-ups at the end, ended up with 211 entries for this year's Supernationals. Uh, and, and looking through the by the numbers, it, it's some interesting stuff. Num- number one, solid. Microswift, David, and we've seen a lot of micro drivers in all the different programs. We've got a good core group of micros, uh, more than double the micro numbers this year. 24 drivers in total in micro this past weekend at the Winter Nats. Mm-hmm. Mini Swift fell down from 35 to 23, so it went down 12. Uh, but we then we had, you expect drivers moving to junior, but I think a lot of drivers, X30 junior rather, I think some of them moving over to the KA100 junior instead. Because David, the K100 Junior category had 14 at last year's Winter Nats at NOLA, 30 this time. Both K100 Junior and Senior, 30 drivers, 30 entries uh, for both those categories. They were strong. That's something we've been kind of watching as the introduction of the K100 Junior classes came about was the the transition from from cadet to juniors and drivers doing the K100 rather than doing uh, the X30. Uh, engine package so that's kind of where we're seeing the growth and 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 it gives you know drivers a couple years to to get used to racing the full-size carts uh get used to to racing at the junior level and and before possibly making the move over to x30 junior but you still have those that are doing both so that's yeah that's also the one uh kind of factor with with ka and x30 drivers are able to do both and both junior and senior levels yeah, and that's one of the one of the other classes that dropped off as well. X30 Junior last year had 40 drivers entered for the Winter Nats. This year, just the 27, but still strong 27, as you said. Senior category actually up three. We almost got to the 40 carts in X30 Senior, ended up with 39. And then looking at Masters, it was pretty much the same as last year. We ended up with 10 drivers in X30 Master. And the shifters, <clears throat> really the same as it was last year, even with the uh, the effort Scusa made with their program. 
to have a big purse. The, you, know, you buy it an engine. If you had an engine, you got free entries. If you uh, entered all the races, you got you got free engine. We ended up with uh, with 16 drivers in Pro Shifter and 12 in Master Shifter. So, David, a combined class of 28, which looked good on track for shifters. And I think there would definitely have been more. Uh, I think you would have gotten over the 30 mark had this not been on the same weekend. Uh, yeah, at I agree. Challenge of the Americas finale, talking to drivers that were at that race in the shifter category. You know, some of them were kind of disappointed in the fact that it was scheduled on the same weekend and did not allow them the opportunity to do both because in all honesty, they probably would have uh, had it been, you know, maybe say uh, second weekend of April or, or something to where it, yeah. it worked out to where they were able to do both. I think, I think it would have had, brought a lot more opportunity for those that were focused on, on that, on that winter program uh, to be able to, uh, to come out to the, to the winter nationals and help boost the, both the pro shifter numbers and the master's numbers. Yeah, I agree 100%. And David, I actually said that a couple of times to people trackside. I said, had, had there not been this conflict, I think we would have had 20 drivers in pro, probably 15 or more in masters. It would have been a lot bigger. But nonetheless, it, it, it was the cream of the crop to, right, to a certain extent. First, second, and third in the EK and driver rankings all there. And that's we'll talk later on, but that's kind of how they ran throughout the weekend with Myers, AJ Myers, Jake French, and Danny Formal. So the big guns were, were definitely out there to go after the cash. But all total... Uh, 211 entries, uh, you know, well over double digits over top of that 200 mark. We always talk about for a major national event that that big high water mark Scusa has been up in the 230s, 240s, 250s before. But with the with the lower numbers we're seeing in those shifter categories right there, you know, you, you get another 30 shifters, uh, 15 in each class. And all of a sudden you're at 240 again. So that's kind of the kind of the breakdown the by the numbers, folks. Um. Time to go to our first break here on the EKN Debrief. We're talking about the Supercarts USA Winter Nationals, the opening round of the Pro Tour down in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, we'll go to this break when we come back. We'll jump into the Paddock Pass. Leading Edge Motorsports is the industry answer to winning in karting. At the helm is industry veteran Greg Bell, who has orchestrated the success of many drivers dating back to the mid-1990s. Based in Lodi, California, Leading Edge Motorsports is the Western importer with IP karting that includes the Praga and Formula K chassis brands. Leading Edge Motorsports provides in-depth driver development for those racers in Northern California and across the country. Arrive and Drive services, kart preparation, and driver coaching are available under the LEM tent throughout the season. Bell's record of working with drivers includes recent victories at North America's biggest karting events, including the Rock the Rio, and the Scusa Super Nationals. Greg Bell's knowledge for building engines spans two decades and is now under the Mega Power branding, providing reliable engine service and tuning knowledge. No matter the chassis brand, choose Mega Power to get to the front. Click over to LeadingEdgeMotorsports.com for more and find them on social media to stay connected. At Leading Edge Motorsports, winning never gets old. Feel like you're racing alongside the many legends that have called CRG home. With direct factory support, the CRG Nordam operation is the North American distributor for all CRG products related to karting and is based just outside Houston, Texas. The complete racing chassis line, including the famous Road Rebel shifter cart, is available through CRG Nordam. The growing FS4 Briggs & Stratton focused chassis is expanding worldwide, including right here in North America. Many tracks, indoor and outdoor, have made the switch 
the Centurion Rental Cart line through CRG. New for the 2020 season is the Mini Hero for cadet racing, homologated for FIA competitions around the world. Head over to cartcrg.com or find them on all social media networks. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, another edition of our EKN Debrief, the race report segment of our podcast program and part of the EKN Trackside Live Tour uh, presented by Cooper Tires. Into the Paddock Pass now. We'll talk about some of the stuff that happened away from the racetrack. This edition of Paddock Pass presented by Cart Republic and Cart Sport North America. The Cart Republic is here and it just keeps on winning. Cartsport North America is the country's importer and distributor for the Cart Republic chassis and is a leader in American karting. They're focused on providing stability for the sport and quality products and service for the community. The Cart Republic senior and junior chassis are on fire and so is the Mini Cart, which has won in SCUSA, USPKS, and WKA competition. For more information, contact Cartsport North America where they offer top quality products, winning brands, and professional driver development services. All right, David, we talked about it a bit in the by the numbers. Um, shifter drivers that I talked to pretty pumped about the larger purse. And I think one of the one of the really cool things that really didn't get talked about a ton, but the purse that came out, right? The five thousand dollars each day, or yeah, was it five? Yeah, five each day, right? Whatever. Um the, the purse that came out for this deal. I, I thought um, it was yeah. Was it four? I thought it was four. Uh, I'm getting my, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Tw- I'll look it up. Yeah, it's, it's four. It's 4,000. 4, 25, 000. yeah, 2,500, 1,000, and 500. Each day. Each day. Each day. Each round. Uh, yep. you, had, you had to have 15 pr- entries for that to, to go. They only had 12 entries and, and Master Shifter and Scusa said, you know what? You guys have come. They stepped up and they said they they, they were going to pay it out anyways. And I thought that was that was a good call. Scusa's trying to build this Shifter Cart program. And, you know, they got a bunch of guys to, to dive in and do this deal. Yeah, they didn't get the 15, but I think paying it out, even though it's going to come out of the pocket and it's going to be a loss later, it's, uh, I think that was a good call. Yeah, I'm looking at the release. I'm not quite, I did not know, I was not aware of the uh, the minimum uh, number of competitors that was needed for that prize package. That, that's that's, uh, that's something new to me. So, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, yes, that, that certainly helped, you know, kind of bring the big guns in both categories. Uh, you know, obviously I think we'd see, we'll see a little bit more uh, as the year goes on in the master's division as well, too. I think guys are, are certainly taking notice of that. They weren't quite ready for it. Uh, I think, you know, some of it might've been hit a little bit too late for them to be yeah. able to prepare uh, for a solid attempt at it for, for the, uh, for the winter nationals. So I think, I think we'll see more master's drivers probably uh, if not more, at least newer, and uh, different drivers show up for, for spring nationals and, and the summer nationals. Yeah, I hope to see that as well. As I had mentioned before, talking to people throughout the paddock, uh, people just said it was good to be back at NOLA Motorsports Park, taking care of that unfinished business from last year. But a lot of stuff I got as well, David, the track, I guess, is is, is become extremely rough. And as you know, you've been to NOLA. Uh, to be able to run that fast lap there, you're pounding the curbs quite a bit. So not only is the surface itself pretty rough and bumpy, you're hammering those curbs pretty tough on drivers and pretty tough on equipment as well. I heard from a couple of drivers and teams saying that, that they were kind of hanging on David at the end of the, uh, the shifter cart mains uh, almost falling out of the seat a little bit. And more than one person told me that they, that they'd be happy if we didn't go back to that track again, that the, the, the facility, the track itself had, had degraded enough. That, yeah. They'd be more than happy to go somewhere else. Or a possible different layout. I mean, let's be honest, the layout that they run it's kind of a mixture of different layouts that were 
were were within the within the circuit. Um, and and there are certainly different areas that force drivers to go over the curbs. And I think yeah. if maybe possibly you look at different different layout options, uh, it could eliminate you know four, five, or maybe six even um, curbs sections that you have to hit in order to be fast. So I think that's part of the uh, part of the situation. Um, because if you, if you go back to when we were there for 2013, um, uh, world Rotax grand finals, that section in the Northern part of the racetrack where they are like slamming curb after curb, after curb, after curb (laughs) was not used. It was, there was a section where, and I'm sure there's a Danny formal photo of him going over the curb and, (laughs) but I don't think that one was as hard. It was more of that, that remember that grand junction, that jump. Oh my was, goodness. Yeah. yeah. So it was more of that where you were jumping, you weren't slamming the curb in order to get more grip out of the, out of the cart. It was more just to cut the racetrack. And exactly. as we, yep. as we've seen with, with the NOLA circuit, they've cut out, they made large curbs to make it flatter to kind of do that. Um, so maybe, maybe we do a shorter course there rather than such a, I mean, oh. the paddock space is perfect. We love that. Maybe, yep. maybe we just do a, a shorter course instead. That's an opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Um, Supercarts USA also adding a cup uh, three actually new podium trophies uh, because of the uh, of bringing Pro two and Pro one together they're actually going and they've added a top rookie in the Pro shifter class uh, so it'll be the a driver who has not run that Pro category so all, all brand new drivers of the series and those coming up from Pro two uh, eligible for the top rookie award each day uh, also for the Supermaster categories obviously we have uh, don't we don't have the X thirty or Master Shifter, it was G2 last year, or uh, X30 Supermaster. So they do have a specific trophy for the top drivers, uh, 45 years in, of age and older for both of those classes, Dave. So that's a, that was a kind of, a, I think, a cool addition. Yeah, that was something something that uh, I think we suggested a while back to to yep. kind of lower the the number of categories offered and, and to kind of recognize those drivers, yes, that might not be uh, racing for the top spot overall, but, uh, you know, within a a class, within a class. And that's kind of the the cool thing about uh, racing is you have the ability to do that. We see it in professional, uh, racing all the time. And, and I don't think, I don't think we use it enough in karting. (laughs) Let's just say that. Agreed. Uh, last but not least in the, uh, this paddock pass sections, we talk about more stuff that kind of happened away from the racetrack. Uh, one of the things we've seen in the last couple of months is Supercarts USA and the new relationship they have, uh, with a Mexican program, Scusa Mexico. And they had delegates from Scusa Mexico were on hand all weekend, kind of watching the inner workings of a Supercarts USA pro tour event. They were up in the tower, you know, watching race control, uh, good opportunity for them, obviously to see what Scusa does so they can kind of imp- implement, uh, some of the procedures and processes down in their program. I thought it was cool to see those guys there. Yeah, it looks like Scusa is going kind of all in with uh, with the Mexican uh, program that they are helping and, and assisting with. And you know, they had a number of their officials down there. I believe it was last month uh, working with uh, with uh, their opening event of the year. So uh, you know, going hand in hand. Uh, you know, they get to see what uh, they're doing, and they can come up here and see uh, you know kind of how things are done. Uh, stateside and and so kind of just you know helping each other to uh to not only uh grow the grow the organization but help each other grow within uh you know how uh operations are done indeed exactly that all right folks another quick break in the action we get back we'll dive into the race report we're going to talk about x30 senior and x30 junior after this quick break in karting it's important to be supported by the right people 
With over 40 years of experience in the sport, Trinity Carding Group has everything you need to make your program successful. We do it all, and we do it right. Trackside support and arrive and drive programs are available in 2021 for the USPKS and the Supercarts USA Pro Tour and Super Nationals with full product sales and service and professional coaching from our experienced staff. Trinity Carding Group is a full-service operation based at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati, which gives us access to our custom-designed driver training facility. This allows us to offer private, one-on-one coaching to take you to the next level. Trinity Carding Group is also your Midwest home for Tony Kart and IAMI, and we're your source for MG and Avinco tires in the region. Tony Kart quality cannot be beat, so call us today to put you in a new chassis for your next event. From arrive and drive and coaching programs to the parts you need, let Trinity Karting Group provide you with customer service and a racing experience second to none. Trinity Karting Group has a long history in the sport, a winning pedigree, and we're dedicated to driver development. We take pride in our professional approach and our positive attitude. Let us build a custom race program for you. Give us a call at 513-421-4463 or check us out online at trinitycardinggroup.com. You can buy all the latest and greatest products on the market, but when you're carding to win, it boils down to one thing, you, the driver. Gain the knowledge and abilities by investing in yourself at the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy and you'll find those extra tenths of a second you need to put yourself on the podium. The school was established by Supercarts USA Hall of Fame driver Alan Rudolph with decades of victories and championships in multiple forms of the sport, including other disciplines of racing. The Alan Rudolph Racing Academy, located at the Speed Sports Racing Park in the metropolitan Houston area, is designed to teach driving skills at all levels. The instructors of the academy have decades of racing experience and educating drivers of all ages. Classes at the academy will teach the concepts and skills needed both behind the wheel and off the track. From the beginning kart racing experience and intro to karting courses, to their advanced one-day and two-day courses and karting clinics, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy can improve the skills of any driver. For more information on the specific programs that the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy can provide for you, head to speedsports.com and click on the Racing Academy page. Be sure to follow the Academy on social media by searching for Alan Rudolph Racing Academy. Welcome back to the EKN Debrief as we are providing our race report for the opening round of the Supercarts USA Pro Tour, which was held this past weekend, the Winter Nationals at NOLA Motorsports Park. And now into the race report segment of the podcast, this uh, race report brought to you by Acceleration Kart Racing. Acceleration Kart Racing has everything you need to go racing, from tires to helmets. They have a great website for you to order from, and kart racers ready to pick up the phone and answer your questions six days a week. With over 20 years of kart racing under their belts, Acceleration Kart Racing has the experience to help you succeed on the track. You can rely on them to get the parts you need when you need them. Make Acceleration Kart Racing your go-to source for everything karting. All right, David, let's jump into the X30 Senior category, and the headline is this, Ramos advanced to win, Zilich rises to the occasion. 
obviously a couple of different races, double header for all these events on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, coming out of the gate, David, on Saturday, Bryson Morris, the defending champion of the Supercarts USA Pro Tour, qualifying on the pole for Rollison Performance Group, but fell back. That's really all, all we really saw of Bryson uh, throughout the entire weekend. <laughs> I, uh, d- go. If, if I could, I, just, I noticed yeah. that he was 20th on Friday, and then boom, was right there on Saturday. So I'm wondering if, if, if they just were – we're kind of taking it easy Friday or found something overnight to kind of help them speed up for, for the new tires on Saturday morning. Well, you got to think about Rawlson, right? There was a lot of Rawlson carts in the top 10 throughout the weekend. And it, listen, it's, you hit the mark, you don't hit the mark, right? Bryson, obviously very strong at Newcastle. He used that to his advantage to win the championship. Uh, and then this this past weekend, he, like you said, was kind of outside the top 10 or just inside the top 10 at times. There was just a lot of great drivers. You know, you know, sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. And uh, you you look at Rawlison, you know, they had Norberg, Tyner, um, uh, Nolan Allison that was up front in his categories. Hannah Greenmeyer was in there as well. I want to say there was four drivers on top of my head. I can't – oh, I think it was Nate Cicero. He was in there too. At one point, there was four guys in there. So they really picked things up from Friday to Saturday. And I wasn't surprised to see one of them up front. But, indeed, Bryson Morris, P1. Diego Ramos, though, very quick for uh, Kevin Monteith's Racing Edge Motorsports team. And he was able to win the pre-final. Uh, in the main event though, when we got rolling, uh, it really was all about Hannah Greenmeyer and it was a fantastic story playing out. She was able to, you know, she was battling with, 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 uh, Ramos up front, back and forth, a bunch of drivers were in the, in the group there, scrapping it out. Um, but Hannah was able to get to the front and David, you know, over the last couple laps, I didn't want to jinx anything. So I waited until the final couple of corners. Uh, I actually messaged you while we were there. Cause I wanted to confirm that we haven't had, a, hadn't had a female winner ever. Uh, on the pro tour. And again, uh, we didn't, she was able to win the race on the track. So essentially we had that first winner on the racetrack, Hannah scoring the victory and it was a very popular victory. Uh, but then of course she knew it the minute she came off the track, uh, one side of, the, of her pushback bumper was in penalty of uh, three seconds was so close up top, David, she goes from P one to P five moving Ramos to the win. Yeah, I was, Going around telling everybody, Hannah won, Hannah won, as, as uh, I was going through uh, uh, the pit lane there yeah. uh, after the uh, the race had concluded and going out to take photos on the racetrack. And, and it was kind of heartbreaking to come back in a little bit later and, and hear of the uh, of the pushback bumper penalty. But uh, again, you know, it, you know, she's she's I think she's had that kind of situation before where where a penalty has kind of taken her off uh, the top position. Uh, you know, she's gotten that Scusa Winter Series victory. So, uh, it's, it's going to come, it's, it's on the horizon and good to see her bounce back from that injury too, because, um, when we were in, in Homestead, uh, you know, she was in a lot of pain. It it hurt, it hurt for her to race and, and it hurt her even more to, to pull off the racetrack and, and have to sit it out and hadn't been in a cart for over a month. So, uh, it was good to see her bounce back from that. Well, I'll tell you this, she wasn't a hundred percent either. They were still, uh, uh, she was still nursing, nursing her ribs and they're actually going to look at, uh, I think they're going to talk to another doctor to potentially help her out a little bit because yeah, she tried to get maybe more of a custom, a custom made rib protector for her because she was still struggling throughout the week and nonetheless able to get that on track victory dropped down to fifth that put uh, Ramos up into the lead and the, and the win. Uh, Ryan Norberg came home in the second spot, Brandon Tyner in third. As I said, the, the Rawlison Performance Group drivers were great. It seemed like Norberg and Tyner were locked together kind of all weekend. Jake Drew for uh, Ryan Perry Motorsports uh, coming over. He ended up finishing P4, and as I said, Hannah Greenemeyer fifth. Uh, David, the hard charger, my God. Uh, an issue, so Connor Zilich, strong run in the pre-final, but was a 16th of an inch too wide. 
And you know, every time you come across it, they're bringing that uh, width checker out and they couldn't get it down over the rear wheels. He goes to the tail of the field, 39th up to six for Connor Zilich. Uh, we were watching it come through the field, but the battle was so great up front. But what a drive for Connor to come from so deep in the field like that. Yeah, it's interesting to see how uh, the width was kind of a, a common thing throughout the weekend from what I kept seeing uh, on results. So uh, uh, I don't know if it maybe is, is it because the carts are hitting the curb so hard that, it, that it's stretching out the uh, the hubs on the axles yeah, or, the or hub, what? Because yeah. most people are not setting it that tight and a 16th of an inch is, is not very much. So uh, just that little bit uh, kind of hurts, but uh, amazing drive for him. Yeah, nonetheless, a, a tremendous drive. He came back on Sunday, though, and I kind of made up for it. <laughs> Qualified on the pole, uh, won the uh, the final. This is, of course, last race of the day, last race of the weekend. Won the pre-final as well. Uh, D- David, the, the main event was like everything you would want out of an X30 senior race, man. I, I, on the top, you know, I was standing up the whole time. The crazy thing was there were so many drivers up front in the lead group. Now, the driver I was watching coming from the back was Ryan Norberg. When Zilich came from the back, he wasn't able to get into that lead fight. Norberg came up so quickly from 18th. The man, I was keeping a, an eye on him because he just kept coming, kept moving. He was kept you know going purple, fast laps, and was m- making his way through. You know, up front, guys like Thomas Thomas Navu, Nepfu rather, led for a while. Ramos led for a while. Other guys kind of up front, including Connor Zilich leading up front. Uh, as it happened, uh, Norberg ends up getting close. And one of the things, though, and you'll – We'll bring it up now because it kind of plays throughout the rest of the week, the rest of the Sunday. It was so wind, windy. The wind had turned and was right in the driver's faces as they were going up the back straightaway. So the headwind they were going into, David, the draft was ridiculous. I started calling it turbo because <laughs> at one point, one of the races, I think it was Christian Miles had this massive lead. He probably had, a, a, you know, almost a, maybe a full second lead. They came out of turn two, the chicane, and had three guys. They literally just reeled him in and drove right past him. <laughs> that's how that's how big the draft was. It was unbelievable. Well, Norberg was using that. He and Tyner were using it well. They were end, end up getting up there. They got by Cicero. Leaders started battling. No, you know they were going two three wide, scrapping it out. That allowed uh, Norberg to get back in. So end up getting a four driver pack near the end. And Zilich got into the lead on the last lap. Norberg was third. He was behind Ramos, and he he made a move in turn twelve and thirteen. That's that little chicane in the in, in middle of the racetrack before you come to the sweeping fourteen fifteen that leads back to to to, uh, to seventeen. And when that when all this kind of stuff happened, um, Nor- Norberg made this pass. It brought everybody else tight. What happened was it, the big pass stopped everybody, checked them up, and Zilich was able to pull away. It was just that you know that. I don't think the pass was the right place because you lose so much in that particular corner that Zilich was able to run away and get the win. It was it was an impressive win nonetheless, but I think had it been played just a little bit different, we might have had more of a battle. Yeah, but sometimes you have to take advantage at certain moments, and I think Norberg was like, you know what, second's better than fourth, or you know, and just went for it. Uh, so you know, he again, he he, we we've talked about it before. He's he's a lot. He's very calculated and doesn't like to take risks. But here, I think he went for that risk. He he went for it yep. and uh, and almost made it stick. Unfortunately, it didn't uh, pan out in his favor. And here's the period on the end of the sentence. So Zilich has got this good lead coming out of the final corner. I talked about the draft already. They came out and it he had a bigger lead, I think, than Miles at that point. But I'm like saying, yes, if these guys line up, they're going to get the big run down. We could still have a battle. At that point, and we've seen this, David, their minds went from winning to finishing second. Who's going to finish second? 
because because uh, instead of pushing Norberg up, Ramos moved out to go to try to pass him, and then Nepu went, went to pass him. They were, they were three wide coming down to turn number three. Nepu ended up, I think, I don't think Nepu was quite able to get by Ramos, so Ramos ended up second, uh, Nepu in third, Norberg fourth, and John Burke was running there in the, in the lead group the entire time as well. He ends up finishing in the, the fifth spot. Indeed, Norberg from 18th to fourth was the hard charger as well. Um, I noticed you didn't talk much about the pre-final. I don't know if you can kind of describe because that was a major talking point in California as we were watching the live timing. Um, I, I honestly, God, you got to remind me. I, it's I mean, red, I, I don't, I red flag. Uh, oh, that's right. Let's bring the, let's bring the, re- the pre-final up. Yeah. I'll bring, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we got to talk right. about it because I mean, uh, that's Agreed. all I heard throughout the past. Hey, did you hear about the pre-final? Well, hey, it was about, it was, yeah. In my mind, it was not, it was not the right call. So <laughs> essentially, essentially what happens, um, they get started. They get rolling, right? We're at the first lap. You could see how dark it was getting. Rain started coming on essentially the first lap. So I want to say the top three guys went off the racetrack over in turn number nine. I can't, you know, where I'm sitting. I can't really see turn nine very well. Uh, that's coming back over to 10. It's behind the tower for Correct. us where we yep. sit. Um, so I couldn't, but I um, I think I want to say that the Ramos went off. I think Nepu went off. Um, they end up coming back around and, you know, kept, everybody's, it's raining. People are getting a handle of it, right? Yeah, a couple of guys are slipping and sliding. A couple of guys were spinning, but everybody finally realized what the grip levels were. John Burke moved to the lead at this point, and they're just, you know, it's they're it's raining, and not it wasn't wasn't a downpour, but it was raining, and they're on slicks. Um, but the drivers were all getting a handle on it. We get two laps into it, and all of a sudden we go full course yellow. And again, there's really no reason to, to do that, right? So we go full course yellow. They do that for four laps, and then. I think we got because we got to six lap. No, we, we got we only got to four laps because we didn't get to the halfway point, so they, they wouldn't have been able to to, to call it. Uh, so we go red, and they went red on 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 it. And essentially, what happened was we they said we'll push the reset button. We'll put it after. We'll go to the lunch break right now. The track will dry up a little bit. We'll figure it out because we knew the rain wasn't going to last very long. Um, and we ended up rerunning the pre final before the main events on a wet track. You and I both know that. When you go out onto the racetrack, unless it's torrential rain and it's super dangerous, you let them run, right? Because the bottom line is all the drivers kind of figured it out. They were super slow in the corners and they were sliding around. If it's it's wet like that and you're on slicks, slow down. It, so that was the call. I was that was that was not the right call in my mind. If it's micro, you throw a red. If it's X thirty senior, you don't. Yeah, these no, are these, even, these are this yeah. is the headline category. Yeah, and 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 the corner you mentioned it. It's paint. They they're going over the paint rather yep. than the the concrete, the the pavement, and that's pavement. that. You know, as, as as we all know, wet paint on a racetrack is not the, you know, the most. Yeah, stay out the paint. Stay off the paint. It's exactly. the most grippy. It's the least grippiest part of the racetrack. And, and but it's again, the, like I said, everybody had figured it out <laughs> by the second lap. We should have just ran. We they should have just went to the end of the race and called yep. and, and finished finished it. That's yeah. That's yeah. thanks for reminding me. That's good. It's, I forgot about that. Well, <laughs> well, I kept telling everybody in California. I said that's a Marshall Martin rule. We've we've been through it. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, Rotax has done it. USPKS did it last year with uh, with the X30 Masters race at Newcastle. Um, you know, it's it's all happened. It's 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 not in our eyes, it's not the correct call. And I think in a lot of people's eyes, it's not the correct call. You let them race it out because yep. these are the conditions they've been given. And, and you race at least to the halfway point. If it gets to be bad to the point where you can't, you know, it's unsafe. That's when you throw a red flag. But as long as it's still safe enough for, for competitors to go around the racetrack, you continue with a green flag. 
and it was not unsafe at all. The drivers had all figured it out. They were all, you know, hanging out, changing their racing lines and hanging out over the side of the cart to try to get as much uh, grip as they could. Yeah, it was, again, bad call. Um, hopefully they'll learn from that and, and we'll change it and, and, and not approach it in that way next time. That's the bottom line. Uh, let's go to X30 Junior. And here's the headline. Fletcher overcomes all hurdles for double win weekend. Uh, coming out of the gate, Parker DeLong, the quickest in qualifying. He ended up getting the pre-final win as well. Fletcher actually won on the racetrack, but got a pushback bumper. And there's, David, a lot of guys lost race wins uh, for pushback bumpers. We already talked about Hannah Greenmeyer. It, uh, it was a, the scourge of the weekend. Uh, in the final, though, Fletcher uh, went immediately to the lead, battled it out with, uh, with uh, Morgan uh, for a little bit, uh, uh, for the main, remainder of the race. Uh, Morgan actually ended up getting the on-track win, uh, but a blocking penalty uh, added three seconds to his total time. I didn't see the block on the racetrack, but a blocking penalty uh, um, added three, uh, three seconds to his total time, ended up dropping him down to seventh. Uh, that put... Uh, put Fletcher back up to the win. Cole Kleck ended up finishing in second. A really good run for Cole Kleck in uh, Trevor McAllister's Arcane Motorsports Cut Republic. Uh, Cameron Reed, a very popular third-place run. Cameron, she did a great job. Ended up finishing in third. Paul Bocuse in fourth, and Noah Baker rounding out the top five. Yeah, Cameron Reed, I believe, is a local driver. Uh, yeah, Louisiana. So, uh, yeah, she's, so, she's from Louisiana. She's yeah. pretty, she's pretty pumped. Oh, I bet. Yeah. It's, I think this is, yeah, this is her first ever excuse a podium as, as far as I recall. So it's always good to do it at the home track. And, uh, as you said, yeah, Cole Kleck with a, a good performance, he was, he, he's been stepping up. We saw that at the winter Great. series and, and has been, a, and now has been able to get uh, his first, I think pro tour podium as well too. Yeah, Carson Morgan was very quick, as I said, scored the on-track victory. I didn't see the didn't see the, the the blocking penalty or the block, so I can't really comment on it. But again, dropping him all the way down to seventh, three seconds to seventh, tells you how close it was up front. Christian Miles, the hard charger, started at the tail of the field. I can't remember why. Started twenty fifth. He worked his way up to the eighth position, so he was the hard charger for race one uh, in that uh, in that X thirty junior class. It, on Sunday, DeLong again. He was and DeLong was quick all weekend long. To be real, he just didn't really get the luck he needed. Uh, Morgan ended up winning the pre-final. Um, the main event though was a, was a wild one. Um, Fletcher had some trouble in the pre-final. Ended up having to start in the twenty-first position. Up front, you know, Morgan, Max Garcia, Noah Baker. Baker was strong all weekend as well. They were kind of the ones to lead. They kind of went back and forth on a little bit. Um, Morgan led, I think, for a majority of the first part of the race, but Fletcher was absolutely on the move coming up from, from, from 21st. It ends up getting in the lead battle. He was the fastest guy on the racetrack. It, it looked to me like I think Morgan was going to be able to potentially hold it, but coming out of 15, which is the right hand that leads back over to 17, got a little bit wide on the corner on the second last lap, dropped the wheel, dropped the, uh, the left rear, and it got him super squirrely. Uh, I, Garcia was trying to go by. Baker was trying to go by in the other direction. Fletcher came diving to the inside of turn number 17 to take over the lead. A really solid pass. It was aggressive. A little bit of contact. Aggressive to the inside, able to take the lead, and then was able to hold him off on the final lap to get the win. And I called it I, I, early on. I said, we got to watch out for Fletcher. 21st to first hard charger, and he gets the second win of the weekend. Yeah, I think having the long race uh, helps that, you know, one position every lap. And that's essentially that's what he did, uh, you know, bit by bit, uh, a long race track, a long race period uh, allows for for that kind of drive. Um, it looked like it was he was in the top five in the pre-final. So it looked like maybe it was contact that kind of shuffled out and put him back to the 21st spot. So uh, amazing to, to see that happen. And that's that's kind of what we like 
what we like to see in long races like that. And you mentioned it, long race, long racetrack, and a track with lots of overtaking opportunities too, right? That was, that was the beauty of it. You can, get, you can get the draft, you can make passes. They're literally turn one, turn three, turn five, turn eight, 10, uh, 12, 15, 17, all easily legitimate passing opportunities. So it was, uh, it was good, good stuff for sure. Um, yeah, so let's wrap this one up. Let's go to the next uh, the next break, folks. When we get back, we're going to come back. Uh, actually, let, let me wrap this up first. Fletcher with the win. I didn't say this. Uh, Max Garcia ended up in second. Morgan was able to get back into third. Frankie Mossman was actually coming forward with Fletcher. He was the guy. He and Jack Jeffers uh, were the guys that were kind of the wingman for Fletcher, right? He, he's, he needed some help, David, with the draft, and Mossman helped him. Once he caught the Mossman, they pushed to, uh, forward a bit, and he was able to get by. Frankie did a good job, ended up P4, Jack Jefferson fifth. But you had he Fletcher needed to have some wingmen to be able to get himself to the front. Well, as you said, the wind was a, a, a little oh. bit crazy. So, yeah, definitely uh, when it's time to fly in the wind, you need a wingman. You need a wingman. That's it. All right, folks. As I said, we're going to the next break. When we get back, the race report presented by Acceleration Kart Racing will continue. KA100 Senior and KA100 Junior followed by X30 Masters all in the next segment. Trader, Evans, Pruitt, Haddock, McMurray. Karting legends are created here at the Quincy Grand Prix. This is Randy Kugler, the voice of this iconic event. After being forced to cancel last year's event due to the coronavirus pandemic, the Quincy Grand Prix will be back on its traditional date on the first weekend of June. So mark June 5th and 6th on your calendar and we'll see you there. On that gorgeous late spring weekend for the 33rd time since 1970, competition carts will once again rip around the spectacular and beautiful 1.2 mile circuit set out inside the South Park of Quincy, Illinois. This is your chance to race in front of over 15,000 spectators. The 2021 edition of the Quincy Grand Prix marks the 51st anniversary of the first time Carters raced around this historic venue. To celebrate the event, a $10,000 cash purse has been established for the four pro classes competing on the weekend. A total of 11 categories will be competing for the unique trophy given to all race winners, the Gussie, designed and named after the original race founder, Gus Trader. Registration is now open, so don't wait and enter now at QuincyGrandPrix.com and become legendary. We'll see you at the park. It all started in 1994, when former successful kart driver Albino Perilin decided to move his passion for karting from the track to his small workshop. That's when Perilin was born. Fast forward 20 years and Perlin's passion for the sport led to the company rejoining international competitions as a factory team in WSK and CIK FIA races with the aim of enhancing the research and development process, immediately achieving notable results around Europe, North America, and Asia, becoming the CIK FIA Asia Pacific KZ champion in the same year. Perlin USA is North America's source for Perlin products we run a factory team at all of the major Supercarts USA and Rock Cup USA events. The Parallel chassis lineup for 2021 includes the Invader Shifter, the Le Mans Tag Single Speed Chassis for Junior and Senior Classes, and the 28mm Mini Cart for the Cadet Classes. Parallel has been winning races all over the world, and it's on top of the podium in the USA as well, with drivers like Kai Sorensen, Mateus Arjuela, and Alessandro Datulio. Get on the chassis that's winning. Drive a Parallel. 
For more information, head to PerilInUSA.com. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, another edition of the EKN Debrief Podcast. We're talking about the Supercarts USA Winter uh, Nationals, the opening round of the Pro Tour. Rob Howden with David Cole. Uh, of course, I'm doing the heavy lifting on this when I was trackside at New Orleans when we uh, cut our recording for the Challenge of the Americas from that weekend, the, the finale out in Sonoma. David will do the uh, run quarterback on that one. David, in KA100 Senior, uh, the headline is this. Morgan returns to track with impressive sweep. One of the things I didn't mention about Carson Morgan and the same with his brother Cole Morgan is they really haven't done out. I, I want to say I talked to his dad. I don't think they've, they've driven at all for like the last four months, just busy with work and everything they've been doing. He hasn't, they haven't had a chance to be in the seat. So to see them so good out of the gate, not surprising, right? They, they had a strong run. They, Cole Morgan. Yeah. I was going to say they, that, they did race the weekend before at the Texas Sprint Racing Series event. So that was yeah. kind of their warm up, the first <laughs> warm up. Their first race of 2021, for sure. Crazy, crazy. Cole Morgan was really the guy uh, all weekend long in the K100 senior class. He qualified on the pole on the red speed, able to win the pre-final as well. Uh, had a really good battle early uh, in the Saturday main event with uh, Brandon Lemke on the Merlin, not surprising. Uh, but really, he kind of took control on lap number seven, jumped out to a decent little advantage. Uh, and then Lemke was kind of was chased by Connor Ferris, who had a really strong weekend as well. So Lemke uh, was able to hold Ferris off for the entire race. He ended up finishing uh, second and third. Ethan Wolf was quick as well. On the red speed, he finished in the four spot. And Leonardo Colavita. Uh, on the Cosmic, rounding up the top five. Hard charger Steven Dial from the back of the pack, 28th up to 11th in the main event. On the new FA cart, the new Fernando right. Alonso cart built by Cart Republic. So uh, a little new chassis. Not new, but a rebranding of uh, of the FA cart back on track. Uh, on Sunday, Nolan Allison for Rolls and Performance Group turning the fast lap of the race. Lemke turned things up in the pre-final, was able to take the win there. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The rain came during the pre-final for X30 Senior, as we said. Micro Swift run in the full rain. We'll talk about that. Uh, it was uh, it was KA Junior that was run in the transition class. That's what went from essentially wet to dry, right? We'll talk about that in, right, right after this. The track was dry, essentially. <laughs> Almost <laughs> all of the track was dry uh, for the first dry final. Um, I talked about, I messaged with Brandon a bit yesterday. You know, their opening lap, Lemke goes to the lead from pole, looking good, rolling through 12 and 13, turns into 14, boom, straight off the racetrack. <laughs> I thought he was going to hit the tires. Straight off, full speed, he, he almost drove all the way over to turn number one. <laughs> so far, that's how far he, he went. I asked him, he said, I just waited in that corner, and there was just a, there was some dampness off the line a bit, and he goes, I just literally dropped my left, you know, my left side tires on the, on the, that wet, and I was gone. Uh, same thing happened to Connor Ferris and another driver as well. I can't remember the name of the other driver who it was, but Ferris Ferris went around, but not that far. He was able to come on back onto the racetrack, and I think he got back to 17th. But, uh, yeah, little, literally, uh, Lemke almost drove all the way to New Orleans. So he was off the racetrack, and then he was done. <laughs> that's <laughs> the, for, for, those who, for those who remember, that's the Mike Jones corner. <laughs> wow. Okay, I like that. I, 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 just I a little, that. just a little pun in there. That's all. Got to go back in there. Yeah. Got to go back in there. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, actually, Austin Osborne assumed the lead. He was able to get through. Obviously, saw what was happening in front of him. Pinched it down a little tighter. Um, Jace Park, running for Trinity Carding Group, was able to get past first. Then Cole Morgan came by as well. Morgan then went back, went by uh, Jace Park, and was able to pull away to claim his second win of the weekend. 
Um, as I said, Morgan Park, a one, two, Austin Osborne in second, Leonardo Colavita in the fourth spot and Adrian Cruz for Cruz racing development. They've started their own program. He's on the Xperia and Adrian finished in the fifth position. Uh, hard charger though. Gia Cicero, she had a tremendous run, got taken out while running in the top five over in turn number seven. I uh, just got kind of shuffled off the racetrack and drilled in the side, uh, started 17th in the main, drove herself up to seventh. So a, a good run for Gia Cicero. Yeah, she seems to find that that extra little bit on Sunday to have. She's typically fast, uh, always has some trouble on Saturday, and then uh, has the speed on Sunday. But uh, uh, certainly uh, continues to improve under the RPG tent. We'll go to KA100 Junior, and I kind of messaged it all, uh, mentioned it already, but here's the line: Baker sweeps in wet and dry conditions. Uh, Noel Baker was just an absolute beast in, in KA 100 junior all weekend, seemed to be able to put the cart wherever he wanted, lead at will qualified on the pole position. Uh, Fletcher, Jeffrey Fletcher actually took the win, but got a penalty in the pre-final. We get a lot of these penalties. As I said, Baker ends up in, inheriting the win, uh, in the pre-final loads of early lead changes in this one. They were, it was <laughs> nobody, nobody wanted to sit in second, third or fourth day, but it was hilarious. I was kind of laughing how much they were battling because guys just line up and pull away. Uh, Noah Baker, uh, Carson Morgan, Jeremy Fletcher, Parker Long, all guys that led at a time and, and they were, they just draft by each other. Everybody, everybody loved to dive bomb and turn 17. That was fun to watch. Cause it's such a great place that you know, we're all, we're right there. They're passing right in front of us. Uh, Noah Baker led for the final five laps. And the guy that actually worked his way to the, to the front to challenge him was, was Cole Kleck. And Dave, you talked about him already. We saw him at the Florida Winter Tour. He's going to run the entire Texas Sprint Racing Series and had a good run at the Winter Warm-Up the week before the Winter Nationals. Well, uh, Baker, of course, into 17. That's the essentially the, the left-hand hairpin that leads back to the start-finish line. Uh, Baker you know, ran the defensive line on the inside. Cole Kleck, the exact perfect over-under, but maybe not exact. 99% perfect because he <laughs> just didn't quite get it done, but got to the inside of him. And I want to say, no, Baker started celebrating it pretty early, thinking he had it. And Kleck got alongside him. The margin of, at the line was 27 thousandths of a second. Kleck almost nipped him in that over-under. I was going to say the photo by Ken Johnson uh, at the finish line had them both celebrating because they both looked like they won. But uh, certainly the uh, the victory went to uh, to Noah Baker by uh, the timing and the and the av- actual photo evidence of the finish. So, uh, yeah, I mean, almost, as, you said, happy. as you said, a ninety nine, a ninety nine percent perfect, perfect uh, over, over under. under. <laughs> exactly. Jake Walker was the hard charger in that one, started 28th and uh, was able to work his way up to 11th. All right. So here's this is the transition race from the rain that happened midday. These guys, uh, you know, I wondered how many people were on drives. Would anybody roll the dice? And, and really only a handful of guys, a number of guys further back in the pack. Uh, the one that, re- that that obviously put on the show was Jack Jeffers. Baker qualifies on pole on Sunday in the dry. Parker DeLong ends up winning the pre-final. Uh, as they roll out and get going in the wet, uh, the dry, David, like there, there was a dry line because literally between the end of the micro swift race and the start of uh, KA 100 junior, uh, that five minutes, it wouldn't be, I, I couldn't believe how quickly the, the track really dried. Now, granted it was pretty windy as I had said, but, you know, it looked like it was still pretty damp at the end of micro, but man, by the time they got rolling, man, I'm like, this, this track's like totally dry. Um, not quite in the areas, obviously you, you had to kind of, it was very close. 
Um, even even more for the K100 seniors, obviously. But it looked like the dry line was starting to develop to a certain extent. Uh, but it was still good for the for the wets, right? And the guys knew where to go to find they needed to find find uh, moisture for the tires. Baker and DeLong, uh, they burned those tires down to nothing, <laughs> the rains, but they ended up finishing one, two. The call for the guys up front, David, as you know, they went with the, the wets and that was the right call. Jeffers puts on the slicks and and I kept watching him. He just wasn't doing anything, wasn't doing anything, right? Then the track started really coming in and you could see his lap time. He was just going purple, boom, like a second every lap, you know, down, down. And then maybe the, the last, I don't know, the last seven or eight laps, Dude, he was flying. And you know, again, it's, he's he's the guy with the grip. Nobody else has got grip. He's five seconds faster than some people. Was able to get himself uh, just slicing through the top ten on the final lap, able to pass uh, Danny Dzelski to go onto the podium. Good call for Jeffers, but he uh, he started. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me right now where he actually started eighth. Yeah, so he fell back fell, to yeah. maybe yeah, drop through the field right. But it was a it was a cool roll of the dice, especially when you start eighth and you can probably race from there right. But he went to the back big time, but he came forward like a, like a beast. And it was, for me, a ton of fun to call, right? Because you got that guy coming through the field. Well, again, you're talking, uh, they did it time-wise, I want to say, because of the wet weather, right? Now, yeah, 19, 19 minutes plus one lap was, okay. was the distance. So that so you're talking a 20-minute race. So you're talking, you know, they, they covered 17 laps in that time. So a long race, you're like, hey, if we get to the halfway point, and it dries out, we're going to be faster. Well, if you look at the lap times, he did a 109.0 for his fast lap while the leaders at the end of the race were doing 112. So you're three, exactly. sec- you're three <laughs> seconds a lap quicker. Unfortunately, and he had too much of a gap to make up to, uh, to be able to challenge the leaders. But all in all, it paid off because he did end up getting on the podium. So who would have yeah. known if he had wets on, what would happen? But uh, he'd still gained five positions, so it started eighth, fell back to twenty seventh, and finished third. <laughs> That's it, right. A little bit of a storyline, and as I said, in those last five laps, it was a dry track. Well, that's like it was, just like it was for the guys in KA one hundred. And that, and that's why I, I saw the results again. Obviously, I don't, I don't have the time to listen to the live call. I said, yep. did Jeffers cr- cut the track he was two seconds quicker than the leaders what happened i know i know know. it was awesome it was a ton of fun to watch and a great run for him uh the hard charger was actually colin lloyd started 31st and went up to ninth and i believe he was on on dry tires as well yeah wasn't able to get the run early 1097 was his quick lap so uh that certainly uh bodes well for him on the uh, on the dry tires because i think him and Jeffers, uh, there's a there's a minute ten further down in the field. A Cameron Stellar, he might have been. Cameron on... Stellar was on it, yep, for sure. So uh, and then Cameron uh, had some trouble though. He he went off a couple of times because it's again tough. To, looks to like drive. Cole Kleck was on dry tires as well. Got up to ninth and then retired on the last lap. And again, look look at this. We we talked about it right. It, it, to to run those wets on, on our dries, the, the slick tires on a wet track is unbelievably tough, especially when you're trying to push forward. You you know what you're trying to get done. Uh, it's a, it's a tough, tough call for sure. So yeah, exactly that. So kudos to to Jack Jeffers for putting on the show for sure. Uh, Ten drivers in our X30 Masters Cloud category. Here's the headline: Peterson and Romaljo split main event wins. Uh, I'll tell you this out of the gate. I thought. Uh, Danilo Romaljo was going to smoke everybody all weekend long because he was four tenths quicker, I think, in qualifying something like that. Just literally smoked the field. Uh, qualified on pole, uh, ends up winning the pre final, uh, but got a penalty in the pre final. What did he get a pre- oh, a pushback? I think pushback bumper potentially. No, 
Oh, no, manipulating the start. Manipulation he, uh, of the start, yes. Yeah, he rolls. <laughs> I don't know why he would have did this. He rolled up into the staging lanes. It was, you know, going fast and would slow down. It would go fast a little bit and would slow down, which everybody knows you have to hold your, your speed. So, yeah, so that drops him down to sixth. Um, really patient at the start of the main event. He knows he's a half a second faster than anybody. Takes his time. Actually kind of got shoveled back, you know, in sixth and, and was back with a couple of the other drivers. Was able to finally get by. Chipping his way forward, passing everybody coming forward, past Molinati, past Barrios. I want to, I think it was when he was passing Jess Peterson. I didn't see it again over in turn number nine where I can't see it, uh, but made contact. And Kevin Monteith told me that uh, he ripped, I think he ripped one of the one or more of the beadlocks out with the contact on the wheel. Um, so he got a flat tire. So he ended up, uh, he ended up having to head to the pit lane. He was done. Um, so that kind of handed things over to Jess Peterson. Uh, Jess had Mario Barrios for the, the Rawlison Performance Group driver all over him. Peterson running with Phil Giebler racing under the PSL karting tent on the Ricardo. Jess had the lead and really, David, just put in a, a really solid, consistent performance. His lap times were, you know, within a tenth of a second for the entire second half of the race. Barrios was pushing hard, but Peterson had that gap, held the gap and didn't give it up, was able to come home with the win. Very strong run for him. Barrios ended up finishing second. And he's also over 45, so he got the Supermaster Trophy as well, although he doesn't want it. He's one of those guys, <laughs> you know, like a Billy Cleveland probably, that wouldn't want the trophy, right? Um, but he did. He got, he was the Supermaster winner as well. Eric Molinati uh, in the CKR uh, only got one lap in qualifying after an issue, but ended up coming home to finish third in the main event. Glauber Granero on the Tony Kart was fourth, and, and Manuel Gaia, uh, rounded out the the top five. Curtis Terry was actually the the, the hard charger both races in Saturday and Sunday. Local driver starting in tenth, up to seventh on uh, Saturday. Started in tenth, moved to sixth on Sunday. Uh, here's the thing. So we roll out on Sunday. Ramalho's so quick, right? This guy's just going to be able to press the reset button, get the redemption he needs, go get the wins. No, Jess Peterson qualifies on pole. Jess Peterson wins the pre-final. Um, and then in the main event, Peterson led early. Molinotti actually went to the lead on the CKR. He looked really good. He went to the lead for, I want to say, maybe a lap. Uh, but then coming out of turn number seven, hit the curb. And he said, I, I talked to him. He said, I, I hit that curb the same way every every lap, all weekend. Chain ended up falling off while he's leading. Uh, hitting that curb in turn number seven, going to turn eight. So that was it for Malinati. Uh, he drops out. Peterson takes over the lead and really led all the way to an on-track win. But a pushback bumper uh, penalty dropped him back to second behind Ramalho. And I'll tell you, uh, Peterson was not happy at all. He was uh, he was talking to everybody with the Scooza shirt on, uh, asking to look at his video to, to, to show why the, the pushback was uh, was activated. Yeah, I don't know if Scusa has that in their rule book of looking at uh, onboard videos. I know USPKS has, has done that in the past for only finals. Um I'm not sure uh, what the what the uh, the rule is on that, but uh, yeah, that's obviously you know we've talked about it over and over again. Um, that's that's the unfortunate downfall of the pushback bumper uh, that it. we do have is it, it sometimes it goes without any warranted or uh, uh, penalty given contact that uh, that could have happened yep. on track. Well, and then, listen, you know what? With the amount of people that lost race wins this past weekend, I would think that uh, a vast majority of the people in the paddock would love to have Scusa have some type of opportunity for somebody who has uh, won a race to be able to show video to show exactly when that pushback uh, was activated. Somebody locked the brakes in front of them. Were they avoiding an incident? Whatever it may be. 
Uh, all right, folks, another break in the action. We come back. It's time to chat uh, about uh, what we got. Master Shifter, Pro Shifter, Mini Swift, Micro Swift. We will wrap up the uh, race report segment of this edition of The Debrief after this break. Are you ready to make the jump from karting to race cars? Then check out the top-rated Allenberg Racing Schools at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca in Monterey, California, led by former Formula One World Championship driver Alan Berg. Whether you're starting a racing career, looking for a new adventure, honing your driving skills, or seeking an unforgettable experience driving the world-famous corkscrew, our team of professional coaches and proven curriculum will provide you with everything you need to drive our race cars to the limit. Programs in 2021 include one-day, two-day, and three-day schools. Successful graduates earn their certification to apply for a SCCA racing license. For schedules and more information, check out our website, allenbergracingschools.com, or call us at 888-722-3220. Custom group and corporate programs also available. Experience and passion. That's what led to the launch of AMAX Racing. Owner Charles Maxwell began AMAX Racing in 2015 expanding the operation in 2019 with a focus on driver development for racers of all age groups and backgrounds. From top-level drivers to grassroots racers or families looking for a team that will help them achieve their goals, AMAX Racing can guide you with the absolute best trackside service at affordable prices. No matter the chassis, AMAX Racing welcomes you and has the experience to put you on the top of the podium. You can join the AMAX Racing family in 2021 at the Cup Karts North America, United States Pro Kart Series, and WK Manufacturers Cup Series, along with selected local events at Whiteland Raceway Park and Newcastle Motorsports Park. For more information, contact them at 317-437-5886 or find them on Facebook. AMAX Racing, all of your karting needs under 110. Welcome back to the ECAN Radio Network and our ECAN Debrief podcast of the Supercarts USA Winter Nationals, the opening round of the Pro Tour held this past weekend, March 26th to 28th at NOLA Motorsports in Louisiana. Working through the race report here right now, Rob Howden alongside David Cole, the race report brought to you by Acceleration Kart Racing. David, let's go to Pro Shifter, and here's the headline, Myers Dominant to Open Title Defense. Um Great way to start the season off for the Pro Tour. Obviously won the championship last year at, at the Summer Nationals. Uh, number one ranked driver at the end of 2020 by eCardiNews.com. Myers essentially dominated the weekend. Qualified on pole, won the pre-final. I, I want to say that I think Formal may have led for a time at the pre-final, but the bottom line is Myers really had things handled here. He scored the race win. He and, he and French essentially got out quickly and, and finished first and second in the uh, the Saturday race. Formal was third and comfortably in third uh, until uh, he broke a shift, shifter linkage. I want to say, I don't know that the it actually broke or the, the rod end backed out or whatever happened. He ended up uh, going off the racetrack, and that was it for Formal on Saturday. Michael Stevens, a PSL karting driver on the Burrell Arc, took over third, but uh, there's no way he was holding back Billy Musgrave. Billy on his factory cart started back in 16th, got the hard charger moving up to third. David, he pushed him so aggressively. He was all, all over, like obviously worked through the field first, uh, but then was able to, to really get by late in the race, finally made the move by Stevens to get on the podium. It was a really, really strong run for Billy Musgrave. Yeah, a tough break for him on the uh, on being too wide in the pre-final. 
uh, that was obviously something we were watching in uh, in California as well was the was the pro shifter category and to see obviously the kind of the the big four go up against each other with Myers French Musgrave and Formal. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the the issues for Mal took him out of the battle. But, uh, you know, Musgrave, we've seen him drive like that before just last month at the Challenge of the Americas at his own home track at Cal Speed. Uh, able to do that uh, again uh, this time in NOLA uh, with the uh, with the pro shifter category there in Scusa. So uh, the, he's no stranger to, to, to driving forward from 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 the back to the front. No, and continuing to work on that factory cart program, right? A chassis of his own design, welded up, bent, welded up in California. It's a kind of a cool program that they're putting together there, really doing his own thing now. Uh, Billy's, of course, been uh, one of the, the stars of the Supercarts USA Pro Tour shifter categories from the very beginning. I had mentioned the uh, the top rookie, rookie of the race for the pro category, Jacob Yesnick, the factory cart driver, uh, getting the top rookie in uh, the round one on Saturday. Sunday, Qualifying caught me off guard because, you know, I was the guys were just over top of the 60-second mark for a majority of the day, I, like all the qualifying. And I want to say Myers got down into a pretty low 60. Might have been a B, it might even have been a flat, like a 0-4-0 or something like that in, in qualifying on Saturday. I can't remember what the qualifying time was. But Sunday he rolls out and goes purple with a 59-7. Not like a 59-9-5 or 50. 59.75 or something like that was his fast lap. It just caught me off guard. Literally smoked the field. How He was almost a full second faster than, than the, all the field. He was just amazing in qualifying. Uh, ended up winning the pre-final as well. And again, got the whole shot, David, and was absolutely never challenged. He was just, Myers was on his game 100% on the Magic all weekend. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good way to start out the year. Uh, Florida Winter Tour champion and now... Uh, leading the way again to defend his Scusa crown, uh, this time doing it at NOLA rather than all at uh, Newcastle like they did last year. So uh, that's it. Yep. You know he's got the momentum going in his direction with the uh, with the Magic Cart uh, combination with him and, and them, and uh, it's uh, it's certainly gonna, it looks like it's going to be tough to beat, and everybody's going to be doing their homework over the uh, the next few weeks. I think they're going to have to exactly. French and Formal ran second and third the entire race. Uh, in round number two, Musgrave had to work uh, pretty hard, though. He was running fourth position. This time, it was Michael Stevens, who he passed in race one, was really putting the pressure on him and uh, never never gave uh, Musgrave even a lap off during the entire 19 minutes plus a lap. He ended up finishing in the fourth spot. And uh, as I said, Stevens coming home in fifth. Chente Salas, who uh, won the championship last year in Pro 2, uh, winning the top rookie award, of course, his first year in the pro shifter category. So Salas winning top rookie. And uh, Hard Charger, we had a lot. There was actually a lot of drivers that, that dropped out of this one. Hard Charger was Jake French, starting fifth and finishing in second. What uh, what were the engine choices for at least you know the top five there, uh, both days? Um, K, I, I want to say KZ. I think Myers was on a KZ. French was on a KZ. Formal was on the KZ as well. And my Musgrave was on the was on the IAMI, I believe. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure about Stevens for some reason. I don't know. I can't, I, yeah. I can't tell you about from what, from, head, what, tell you. from what I know, I, I, I assume Musgrave was on the IAMI and everybody else was on yeah. the KZ at on least the ahead SFC. of him there. So, uh, um, so yeah, that, that, that goes into obviously the discussion, you know, what guys are going to do moving forward. You know, some yeah. are, some are doing the, the, uh, incentive program. So they are with the 175 for the, for the whole year. So, uh, that'll be another interesting thing to follow as, as we go along for the program. Yeah. 
you know, Scuse is going to always want to be on top of it, right, to, to make sure that the, the balance of performance is correct with those two. You know, they never know if it could drop some weight or what happens uh, at this point. But even with, with the big dogs going to the KZ, what do you do, right? They're, they're on that KZ, and they, well, they could probably be just as fast if they were on the IAMI. Right. I was just saying, Mus- Musgrave's no slouch. Uh, you yeah. know, and, 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 again, he's doing chassis development at the same time, too, so it's kind of sure. hard to judge – judge that um so we'll you know again we'll see if maybe some other drivers come in with the 175 or, or kz that weren't at the winter nationals that could be at spring nets that's it that's it let's go to master shifter uh musser dominant but exhaust failure opens door for barnes on sunday uh jordan musser i think everybody knows he of course uh, capitalizing on the uh, opportunity to have the free entries I'm not, I'm not sure if he had the engine or got an engine i'm sure he has an engine but uh, uh he, anyway th- that in the purse brought in Jordan Musser. I think he said, Hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, I can, I can get out of here with $5,000 a week. And that works for me. Uh, Jordan qualified on the pole, uh, walked, dominated, walked away as well in the pre-final, uh, in the final on, on Saturday, just flat dominated the day. Uh, actually was running in with the pro shifter drivers, even with the, the split start, he was able to reel up on some of the slower pro shifter drivers and getting battling in with them. Uh, so he scored the win. The real fight in the category, David, for Master Shifter was uh, Skitchy Barnes and Vincent Cassard. Barnes uh, finally on a new chassis on the comp cart, so he was kind of getting a feel for that uh, that chassis and, and the brakes. Cassard was with uh, SSR uh, Motorsports and was on a CRG. They were li- they were together, I think, the entire weekend. <laughs> Every race, they're battling out. Uh, Barnes ended up coming out with second after a late race pass, but they went back and forth swapping that second position throughout the race. Yeah, again, drivers, you know, new driver on uh, a new or driver on new equipment, a driver who hasn't been running all year long. I think that's kind of the the thing with the Masters. A lot of these guys haven't raced at all or much this year aside from from Barnes and Musser. So kind of just getting this first weekend or first day under their under their belts. Yep, that's it. Uh, Tim DeBeloy of the CRG, Texan finishing in the second spot, and Anthony Stifler on the comp cart coming home in fifth. He was actually the hard charger as well, started 10th and worked his way up to the fifth position. Musser picked up where he left off, and again, $2,500 for the win for Musser there, and the same goes with with, uh, with A.J. Myers, $5,000 payday on the weekend. Musser qualified on pole, won the pre-final as well. Weird start in this one. Um, so on Sunday... Pro Shifter leads the line first. They were doing a split start with a, with, a, with a gap before they started the second group. They didn't start them at the same time with a gap. They get away. I'm not sure what happened to Amy Rule, but she ends up spinning and she's half on the racetrack. So they're kind of trying to potentially get her off the track, at least get Annie out of the way before they start the, the Master Shifter drivers. Well, Neil, uh, uh, Neil Strickland comes out and says, you know, gets the drivers ready, visors down to the lights. He gets off to the side. Tim Beloy from from the outside of the second row jumps by it, <laughs> just totally jumps, like just <laughs> leaves, Dr- essentially drives over the back of Skitchy's, Skitchy Barnes's left rear. Um, Skitchy looks around, looks back up, lights go out, he takes off. Nobody else leaves. <laughs> I, I I thought for sure that Barnes left early. He leaves like another second later. Everybody else leaves. I don't know what I, I think it was just nobody knew what the hell was going on. So. Barnes goes to the lead, Musser into second, Cassard third. Finally, everybody gets rolling. Uh, obviously, just wait, you know, waiting for Musser to be able to reel in Barnes and go by, but he ends up uh, cracking the, the exhaust right at the engine. Uh, ends up breaking the exhaust. Re- re- uh, the, uh, the exhaust retires early. Cassard able to catch back up to Barnes, but just can't wrestle the lead away from him. So, Skitchy Barnes ends up getting the win. Cassard second. 
Uh, best run of the weekend for Terry Lawrence for CKR USA. He ends up finishing third. Robert Fage uh, is fourth, and Anthony Stifler in the fifth spot. It was actually Fage who got the. Uh, I believe that's the way you say his name. I'm, I'm not correct on that one. He's a local, I think, from from the Nola area. Started ninth, end up finishing in fourth. But Barnes with the win. Yeah, Lawrence, another driver who had to kind of shake the rust off. Finally, uh, yeah. got got things to get going on Sunday. So needed needed a few more days. Uh, before they they headed down to Winter Nationals, so you know he'll he'll be he'll be hopefully one that will challenge at uh, the Spring Nats to kind of keep uh, Musser on his on his game and uh, and of course Barnes and Cassard when they come back as well too. Yeah, they'll be back for sure. And uh, I was talking to, to Terry about that. He's like, he goes, I haven't driven at all. I said, What are you been doing? He says, well, I'm kind of focused on my my sprinkler business. I go, I get it. <laughs> we got to take care of. We're masters drivers. You got to take care of life, right? So uh, well, yeah, Terry. We, we know Terry's got the speed. And it's not warm in Idaho either. Come on now. No, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's very true. That's true. All right. Uh, let's go to the mini Swift category. And the headline is Vidmontien doubles up. Uh, interesting. Vidmontien does get the, the double wins, but we'll talk about it on Sunday, uh, the way it kind of shook down. Tyler Roberts actually coming out of the gate with the pole position on the peril, and uh, that was about the best Tyler, best luck Tyler had for the rest of the weekend. He's he got shoveled off in the pre-final. He he struggled throughout the rest of the weekend, but had had the pace. Tyler actually the son of Travis Roberts, who used to run in the Scusa Promoto Tour back in the day on a DFM. Um, wow. Travis came up to me and said, Hey, do you remember me? And I, I had to be honest. I said, no, I don't know who you are. Tell me who you are. And Travis Roberts, I'm like, wow. Okay. Now I'm like, again, we're talking 15 years ago. Wait like, longer. Probably longer. I have no yeah, idea who right. this guy, I have no idea who Travis yeah. Roberts is. <laughs> he was part of the DFM. That was the Chrome, the chassis was Chrome. Well, was I, a bunch I, of guys on like Colorado. I was going to say that. AJ Nowd and them were all on the yeah. uh, DFM back that's in the it. day. So yeah, that's, that's it. Look, so, Wait, wait. So I'm like, yeah, Travis, I remember you 100%. Now, like, now he told me who it was. I was able to put the face. To, oh, yeah. Well, it's his, it's his son that's running. And uh, Tyler was super fast all weekend long. Just didn't have the luck at all, man. I'm telling you. He had really good speed on the parallel. He ended up qualifying P1, as I said. Uh, Diego Ardiles on the Tony Kart won the pre-final. And in the main event, uh, David, just stereotypical, awesome mini Swift racing, right? Lead pack, passing here and there, drafting by each other. Ardiles, Enzo Vidmontien, Jack Iliff, uh, Oliver Weldon all led laps uh, in the race. I, I would have said Oscar Iliff would have as well, but he had an issue in the pre-final. Ended up uh, starting 21st, hard charger up to 6th, because both Oscar and Jack, unbelievably quick. In the end, Vidmontien was able to get through. He scores the victory. Uh, Ardiles coming home in 2nd, Jack Iliff in 3rd, Oliver Weldon 4th, and Ben Mayer uh, capping up the top 5. Yeah, great to see the uh, the Pro Tour uh, micro champion uh, Iliff get up in uh, battle right away uh, yeah. in his Pro Tour debut in the Mini Swift category. Uh, but the other, the rest of the top five, those those four names with Vidmontien, Ardiles, Weldon, and, and Mayer, those were the expected names that we we thought we were going to see battle for the victory. So great to see them put on a good show. Yeah, indeed. And and the Ilefs, I think they're having fun running together. I was talking to dad, obviously, and he's like, they're having fun running together right now, but let's see what happens One, if one of them starts winning more than the other one. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how they how they go. But yeah, they're, they they work together quite a bit. Um, they were pretty fast together running, uh, you know, nose to tail in a lot of the laps. So uh, it'll be cool to see both of those guys uh, get at it. On Sunday, Vidmontien came out of the gate, of course, keeping that momentum from Saturday, qualified on pole. Jack Ilef ended up winning the pre-final. Uh, in the main event, Ben Mayer 
is the guy that kind of kind of rocked up. He he got things rolling, started deeper in the field, started in ninth, uh, but was definitely a guy to watch as they were kind of fighting up front, going back and forth and, and not staying in line. Ben was able to use that. He caught right back up. And at one point, Vidmontian and Mayer were able to pull away and build a bit of a cushion. And I thought, these guys are good. But then we talk about that pass in turn number 12, the 12-13 chicane. When you pass somebody in there, you lose. everybody loses so much ground, or so, so much speed coming through that corner. Mayer went for the pass there, as you said, David. If the opportunity is there, sometimes you got to take it. He passed on the last lap in turn 12. Instead of waiting to 15 or 17, he, I think he was probably trying to see if he can't catch him off guard. Takes the pass, goes to P1. As they come out of 13 over to 14 and 15, in come uh, Weldon, Isla, both Isleff brothers, and essentially, Vidmontien still in second. Um, Weldon is like, you're going through. <laughs> Turn 15, uh, you know, Vidmontien makes the corner. Uh, Weldon just pushes, uh, rather, Mayer makes the corner. Uh, Weldon pushes Vidmontien all the way through. Then Weldon makes a big dive bomb move down to the inside of uh, of turn. Not so much a dive bomb, a strong move to the inside of 17 to go for the race win. Ends up getting the victory. Just a tremendous final lap there and a, a strong run for Weldon, right? Making Vid- Vidmontien get by Mayer and then going by, sadly, on the list of guys that lost the win uh, because of a pushback bumper, like Hannah Greenemeyer, like Jess Peterson. Uh, Weldon dropped all the way to fifth. Vidmontien back to the win. Pushback bumper uh, grabs another guy. Yeah, again, the the downfall of the program, and, and it's, again, the reason why uh, you got to keep things clean and 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 not uh, get it pushed back. But uh, it's not going to be the last, that's for sure. We're going to see more and more uh, as it as it continues on with our sport. Yeah, and, and I mentioned in the, in the broadcast, David, I remember back in 2019, it seemed like Ben Mayer won at least once every weekend, right? <laughs> when he was in the in the micro categories. If he didn't win Saturday, he won on Sunday. Always a win. And he almost did it here as well. He almost got himself to the front uh, in this main event. Just didn't happen in the, in the final lap. But nonetheless, a really good run for Ben Mayer as well. Yes, uh, two runner-ups at the USPKS race weekend uh, two weekends ago. And uh, a runner-up here in a top five. So uh, getting, continuing a string of solid finishes to begin the, the, uh, the I think, is third season. In, no, it must be second. Second season? Second season. In, second uh, season. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to, uh, to Micro Swift to cap off the race report. The headline, Rosso sweeps weekend to take point lead. Uh, Giamatea Rosso, very impressive coming out of the gate. David, I think based on some of the racing we watched earlier in the year, uh, you know, you would have you would have looked at a Keelan Harvick and uh, Isaac Malkit to be the kind of the front runners coming in. But Rosso came out of the gate super strong on the Nitro, qualified on pole, won the pre-final, and ended up scoring the win as well here in the main event. Augustus Toniolo coming home in second spot, Isaac Malkit in third, Tristan Murphy in fourth, and Jaime Garcia rounding out the top five. Um, Hard charger of the race, and I, I watched this and called a lot of the action coming forward. Keelan Harvick uh, was super strong in the pre-final as well, but uh, I mean, rather in, in in this pace throughout the Friday and Saturday, but got shoved off the racetrack in the pre-final. And by shoved off in turn one at the start, I mean, he didn't even make the chicane. He was literally in the grass on the other side of the chicane coming back onto the straightaway. So he was so far back at the end of that first lap, but just kept his head down and kudos to him able to uh, work his way back up to sixth position. It was a really good run through for, for Harvick because David, like, I mean, he was in another zip code, how far back he was. Yeah. It seemed to be like he had the pace all weekend long, but just didn't quite have the luck uh, as we get into, uh, into Sunday's action. 
yeah, let's let's talk about Sunday. Uh, Tony Olo, Augustus Tony Olo, uh, on the pole position in qualifying. Rousseau ends up uh, uh, winning the the, the pre final um, in the main event. Um, the wet weather main event. Uh, uh, Rousseau pulled out the early lead. Um, now, the Harvick penalty. Pre-final. That, pre, was that, the, that was, was in that the pre-final. The, that was in the pre-final. We yes. should probably talk about that before we go to the main event. It was all over social media. <laughs> it, it was definitely all over social media, that's for sure. <laughs> so those of you who don't or aren't on social media didn't see this. Kevin Harvick, of course, not very happy. I, I, we, were, we were looking back. I know Delana, uh, uh, Keelan's mom, was, was, was probably FaceTiming with Kevin. They were trying to figure it out. Nick Tucker was in it. Essentially what happened was Harvick was making a move uh, for the lead. Um, for the win in the pre-final. For the win in the pre-final. Um, uh, and essentially what happened was it was a bump and run, right? Uh, kind of from what I, and I called it as a bump and run. Into 17, that little touch there, dove to the inside and, and you know, and got the job done. I was able to to, to get past. Uh, the race directors considered it essentially avoidable contact, right? Or, or I'm not sure what they actually, what did they actually use, Dave? You, you, you've got the results uh, yep, open, right? I'm going to it right now. You always do. Because, yeah, uh, it was, to, for me personally, looking at the video, it was racing. Um, I didn't, well, but, but it's hard because at, it's only one view. Yes. If yeah, you, you see it from his, a different view. Yeah. His view wasn't the right view. The view that they posted in the video, not, not close. I, I, you know, it's, turn well, 17. because of the way they call it, they say incident responsibility. Uh, okay. That's and it. it's not an incident. Yeah. So that's why I, I hate, I hate how they wording, they're wording this because if they say contact, that's different, but they're calling yeah. it an incident and it's not an incident because nobody got sideways. Nobody got spun. And no pushback bumper either. That's and no the one pushback thing. bumper again. So the, yeah, the contact wasn't hard enough that it actually activated his bumper. But it was it, it, again. This this is essentially essentially Scusa saying what they can and you can and cannot do. It kind of a precedent right. setting deal. But uh, you and know, I get not, that. yeah, it is. So again, I called it as a bump and run. It, it's up to you. And, you know, I talked to a couple of racers afterwards. Uh, you know, Scott, I had dinner with Scott Barr and Skitchy, and he's like, he goes last lap, last corner of a pre final. That, there's nothing wrong with that, right? And 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 Scott, of course, runs the Bermuda Karting Club and, and has for many years, and he's a big player there. Um, I so I called it. it was it was a bump. It was a but he just got into him just enough to and, and the I can't remember who he was going by. Um, Rousseau. just moved him out. Rousseau yeah. moved just moved him up the track a little bit, right? And then got underneath him. It was actually it it, it was a good move. It, it's a very stock car move. Yeah, I was gonna sure. say it's the same thing you're gonna see every every lap at Bristol. <laughs> Every lap at Bristol. That's exactly it. So again, Harvick gets the penalty. They were not happy with it at all. Uh, dropped them down a couple of spots seven, right for the start. Down to yeah, seven. Dropped, yeah. Six. Was it? Was it? It was because it it's a five second penalty. Is what five second passed. penalty. So it dropped them game. down to seventh. To seventh. Um, so again, micro in the wet. Right. It was. It was the actual first main event of the day. It rained for the pre-final. Um, we it was a wet racetrack for sure, right? It was after lunch and after the pre finals so it was a wet track. So Rosso did a tremendous job, and so did Keelan Harvick. Um, Harvick came out, came forward from six, but Rosso was able to jump out in the lead. He really handled the wet well and had a pretty solid lead. By the time Harvick worked his way to, to second, he just couldn't get into it and couldn't get uh, couldn't catch up to Rosso. So uh, Rosso ends up winning his second race of the weekend. Keelan Harvick coming home in second. Isaac Malkin actually working from deeper in the field. I want to say tenth. Up into third. Eighth. Uh, eighth. Eighth to third. There you go. David's got the results in front of him. Mm-hmm. Ashamoon ends up in the fourth spot. Antoniolo rounding out the top five. Gage Bailey in the wet. The uh, hard charger started back in 19th. Worked his way up to eighth. Ashamoon actually finished third in the Micro Rock uh, Championship. 
out at Challenge of the Americas. Just and he wasn't even there. He wasn't even there. <laughs> Scored enough points in the opening two rounds. So just good, a, good a little him. note for him for him. So kind of worth it to uh to go and finish in the uh in the top five there out in, in Nola and get kind of that series started and be in the in the championship there. Uh finished ninth on Saturday. So has has some work to do, but uh is still in the championship chase. Indeed, folks. Let's wrap things up. Final break in the action of this edition of the Debrief Podcast. When we get back, we'll wrap it up. We'll look at the Constructors' Championship. And we'll have a look at the EKN Trackside Live race calendar. Let you know where EKN is going to be over the next couple of months. The World Karting Association is the only organization on the globe that can provide you with three forms of karting all at one event. Our historic WKA Daytona Kart Week was completed just before the new year began, welcoming record numbers. If you missed out, or if you're excited for the same atmosphere and competition, then add the Charlotte Karting Challenge, presented by Summit Racing Equipment, to your 2021 racing schedule. All three of the national championship programs will be competing at the Charlotte Motor Speedway on April 15th and the 18th in Concord, North Carolina. The Vega Manufacturers Cup Series is hosting three straight days of racing inside the famed Charlotte Oval. Our Vega Road Racing Series will tackle the complete roval portion of the facility, while the Maxxis Speedway Dirt Series will take to the dirt track at Charlotte in a special two-day event. No matter your age, no matter the discipline, the WKA Charlotte Karting Challenge has a place for you to compete at America's home for racing. Learn more about all three programs at worldcarding.com. The World Karting Association, the foundation of motorsports. Are you ready to step up your game? If so, joining the Rawlison Performance Group is the obvious choice to take your racing to the next level. Industry-leading driver development is provided by our staff of multi-time national champions, Super Nationals winners, and Team USA members. And at the same time, RPG continues to be a national level powerhouse race team. Our goal is to help you raise your game and win races. We work with all age groups and we're focused on developing cadet and junior drivers who are ready to take the next step in their racing program. Rawlison Performance Group has set a new standard with our in-house engine program, AVP Engines, headed by Alex Vincent. AVP has become the benchmark in both IAMI and rock competition. We also have the largest OTK inventory that follows our race team, providing trackside parts at all the major events in North America. RPG also offers multilingual support with French, Spanish, and Portuguese-speaking staff. If you want to fight for championships or want to improve your skills and your chances to win, the answer is to call RPG at 503 503- Two six zero four five one four. The Rawls Performance Group. We race to win. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. We wrap up this edition of the EKN Outlap. Myself, Rob Howden, David Cole, uh, detailing all the action from the Supercarts USA Winter Nationals, the first round of the 2021 Pro Tour. Wrapping things up, David, the fourth running of the Winter Nationals, cleaning up the unfinished business from last year's COVID cancellation where you were at. Uh, lots of input from the teams and drivers, as I had said earlier, not really keen on potentially coming back to the track. Just really, really rough on the drivers and the equipment. That's kind of one of the feelings I got. Overall, 
super solid numbers, you know, to, in, in terms of uh, uh, all the other categories, but the shifters, and even the shifters were strong. Getting to t- 200 was the key and, uh, and double digits, I think, in the shifter categories, really a step in the right direction. But David, you mentioned it, the conflict with the challenge of the Americas finale surely limited drivers. And I think we would have had uh, uh, 10 to 20 more drivers potentially, uh, if not more coming over. I, I would say, uh, you know, at least that for, for the winter nationals, I think you're going to see a lot more because of it being the, uh, the spring nationals being in Utah, you're going to see more drivers from who are at, uh, the challenge event, challenge of the Americas event, uh, going there because it's closer to home because for a lot of these, uh, Western base, uh, drivers. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would say at least 20 of those drivers that were at, uh, at Sonoma could have been in, in, yeah. in uh, at, at New Orleans. Hey, bottom line is the racing was awesome. Uh, as, a, as the guy calling the action, I loved it, man. There was so much passing, so many overtakes. The racing was great. Th- this racetrack, as we talked about, it, it races well. Ample opportunities to overtake. As I said, probably six different places you can pass. But lots and lots and lots and lots of pushback bumper penalties, um, which is tough, man. Especially, David, as we said, we detailed it. Several drivers lost wins and podiums because of it. And that's that, that's tough to swallow, uh, especially if, it, if they – if in their cases, and of course we don't, we don't know, but if in their case it, it was incidental contact, that's really tough to take. You know, I'd, I'd love to be able to do a study and just for the whole year, go to races with pushback bumpers and make sh- and grab uh onboard video yep. for anybody who gets a pushback bumper, take that video, edit it. So that way we know we can see where it happens, depending on how the camera, where the camera view is and stuff like that. And, and kind of get, kind of get an understanding of where are these happening or is, is it most is it yeah. is it mostly at the start or is it just you know somebody somebody break checks somebody or somebody goes in too deep in one of the long corners because nola has a really really long straightaway and you got a deep you got a hard breaking zone at the end of that straightaway so is it happening there where is it ha- is it just happening from from carts getting uh you know bumper to bumper just checked up, you know, because somebody gets sideways or something. Uh, Well, here's the issue though, David, here's the problem. Bottom line. And I love that idea. What, what if we took the, can we go back? Can we go away from the pushbacks and back to regular bumpers? If we did that, the first corner of every race would be a shit show. (laughs) It would be, it would be a hundred percent. We could, you you can't trust these drivers these days. There's there's the, this this is the only thing, this is the only thing that's keeping race craft in check. And that, and that's just kind of the, the evolution of things, you know, you, 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 you remedy one problem and, but you create another one, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing that's ever perfect. And and so we've created, you know, we've eliminated one problem. How, how can we eliminate this other problem now that we've created because of, (laughs) of eliminating that one? Hey, and mate, like you said, USPKS has an opportunity to potentially bring video in to show that your pushback was activated by incidental contact. If you do that, even if you just do that just for race winners, that's a possibility. That's something that Scusa could easily look at, right? There's there's many different options. It's it's what do they want to do? Uh, it, yeah. it really boils down to what what the race directors, uh, Bo Barfield and, and uh, um, I can't think of his other name. The other John Maisky. John Maisky. Yes, sorry, John Maisky. Um, you know what what they decide. You know they, they obviously have debriefs of their own after each event or during each yeah. uh, during events. I've seen the seen them do it at the, uh, at the winter series event. So, uh, we'll see what happens with this. You know, if, if people start, uh, voicing their opinions on this, you know, maybe they will, maybe they will look at doing something for it. That's it. And again, I'll, I'll we'll say this right now. If you do have opinions, you want to get them to Scusa, write up a good email, right? You know, write up something 
proper. Don't post it to social media. Don't post it to social media. (laughs) Write up something with respect and show your, and, you know, detail your thoughts and and it's going to get looked at. Uh, Let's look at the the Constructors Championship. Ten different brands winning races trackside. Uh, this event, nine wins overall for OTK products. Red Speed ended up with three wins. Of course, Connor Zilich, his uh, X30 win, and both of the wins by Cole Morgan and K100 Senior. Two wins for Tony Cart for Noah Baker. Two wins for the EOS for Jeremy Fletcher. A couple of wins for Cosmic, uh, both coming uh, from the uh, Racing Edge Motorsports tent with Diego Ramos and uh, Danilo Romaljo. Magic Cart, two victories with AJ Myers and Shifter. Nitro, a couple of wins with Giamatteo Rousseau. Two wins for Bennick with Vidmontien. One win for Comp Cart with uh, Skitchy Barnes and Shifter. Burrell Art with another win with Jordan Musser. And actually, that's three wins for uh, for those products. So with Comp Cart, Burrell, and Ricardo as Peterson scoring his Masters win as well. Uh, ten different brands, David. I like I like seeing different brands, but if you look at it, a lot of them are, are double wins by one driver <laughs> in one class. That certainly helps uh, helps with the, uh, the branding uh, when you have yeah. the same driver winning both days at... That helps uh, show a little bit of dominance and uh, and momentum as we move on to uh, what is going to be warmer weather and uh, more racing for the spring and summer. And speaking of more racing, let's look at the EKN Trackside Live race calendar presented by Franklin Motorsports. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience, and they can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. They specialize in IME engines, tilt seats, and of course, their championship-winning Merlin chassis. They've been supplying racers with start-to-finish support at race events for years, from providing a helping hand at a weekday test, outing, or at a club event, to full arrive-and-drive packages at the highest level of competition. For all things karting, visit franklincart.com. All right, David, let's wrap up this edition of the debrief and talking about where we are going to be at the racetrack. Starting off, first and foremost, your next trip, not actually at EKN Live because we won't be doing any live broadcasts, but you'll be trackside at the WK uh, Charlotte Charlotte Karting Challenge at Charlotte Motor Speedway, uh, April 15th to the 18th. Uh, they've got road racing, uh, Manufacturer's Cup, and Speedway Dirt, but our focus for the trackside will be on the road race program. Yeah, we'll have two full days of coverage of their two days of racing uh, around the Roval, the, the same racetrack you see NASCAR competing on. We'll see uh, carts going around 100 to 130 miles per hour uh, nice. for the two days of racing. So uh, we'll get uh, a lot of coverage, introduce uh, our EKN community to road racing. You know, we'll we'll put up some some Q&A's. Or just uh, you know random random thoughts, or or just uh, you know kind of pinpoint some some explanations on on what goes on uh, with road racing, whether it be equipment, how the races are, are yeah. conducted, and, and and other other things that go on. Well, the the cool thing is, David, back back when you and I were kind of getting into things in the two thousands, crossover racing was big. A lot of drivers that were, were were shifter cart guys or tag guys on the sprint track would also run a bunch of, you know, a couple times a year, they'd be running on the road courses. We don't see that as much of that as, as we used to. No. Also, I'm hoping that when you're there, do a couple of EK and lives or something like that on Facebook. Um, and just show them some of the badass laydown equipment as well. The cool thing, a lot of people in the sport don't know much about the laydown enduro carts. And these things, it's not like going to a cart shop where you buy a turnkey cart and just throw it on the racetrack. Uh, 
a lot of these chassis have been around for, for a number of years. Guys will weld their own chassis, their own designs, whatever it may be. But these things are custom carts that these guys really take care of over the years and, and just keep making them better and better. I think, I think the lay down is just such a great, great component of our sport. I forgot what I was just going to say. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, crossover. Yeah. Cause you just went on and on. Sorry. Uh, I do. I do that. The cro- yeah. I mean, really crossover is nothing new. I mean, except, you know, now more no, it's it's focused right. on the actual cart itself. Because in the old days, you know, back when Haddock was racing and 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 uh, Kyle Atkins and Mark Dismore, the original Mark Dismore, and all those guys, they would road race. They would lay, they would race laydowns, and then they would come race sprint tracks with their with their sprinters. And and if they wanted, and a lot of them, they actually did do some uh, some dirt oval racing as well too. So, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, now more so, you know, there's not a lot of people who have, unlike my dad, where they have five, six, seven, eight carts in their garage. <laughs> at one time yeah um so not so there's not a lot of people who do that so yes the crossover is a little bit more important now with especially shifters tags now the 206 craze is, has moved into road racing so uh we'll be caught you know there'll be a lot of uh there's a lot of 206 racers in the carolina so i'm sure there'll be a bunch of them uh on the road racing side of things uh, so yeah we'll take uh we'll cover all that we'll stop into the man cup see how the three days of racing are going over there and then uh, hopefully get over the dirt track for the first time. We did not get there uh, in 2019, so hopefully we'll get over there just to kind of see how uh, how it really looks with the uh, carts going around that uh, that big oval. That's the WKA Cart uh, Charlotte Karting Challenge at Charlotte Motor Speedway, April 15th to the 18th. A couple weeks later, David's back at it with the USPKS guys, the United States Pro Kart Series, the Heartland Grand Prix on April 30th to May the 2nd. David, you're heading back to Newcastle, Indiana for the first time in 2021. Back home again in Newcastle. That's in Indiana. That's it, right? <laughs> so you'll be there for that one. That'll be an EK and Trackside Live program. And then uh, fast forward up to the middle of May, May the 21st to the 23rd. David and I will be back together uh, trackside at the Utah Motorsports Campus in Grantsville, Utah. The Supercarts USA Pro Tour continuing, again, the Spring Nationals doubleheader going back to Utah. That should be an exciting weekend. Be back to the, the Pro Tour for me. Uh, really jealous that you were there this weekend without me. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Utah Motorsports Campus is a, it's a great facility. Uh, again, ma- massive paddock, so paddock space is not going to be an issue all weekend long. Um, and again, it's a very similar racetrack designed by the same person, an Alan Wilson designed yeah. racetrack. So uh, uh, we'll get to see this one. I think not as bad on the drivers with the curbs. Uh, there's not a lot of corners where they're hitting the curbs hard here. Um, so a little bit more of a rhythm racetrack, um, a little bit of elevation, not much, but uh, just enough to kind of tweak, uh, you know, a little bit of gearing setups and and that. So. Uh, it, it is dusty, so uh, that's that's the one battle that uh, competitors will have all weekend long is is the long racetrack, tough competition, and uh, hopefully the dust will stay down. So, folks, those are the races we're coming up to here with the EKN Trackside Live Tour presented by Cooper Tires. Uh, that wraps things up. We're done here for this edition of the Debrief. Uh, we wrapped up the Supercarts USA Pro Tour Winter Nationals, the opening round of the Pro Tour at NOLA Motorsports this past weekend, March the 26th to 28th. Tremendous racing for sure. Uh, not surprising, man. The, the cream of the crop in Miami uh, racing for sure. And it was uh, tremendous to be down there. Just a little bit of rain on Sunday. Otherwise, we were able to get through unscathed. Thank you so much for joining us here, folks, on the EKN Radio Network. On behalf of David Cole, my name's Rob Howden. Bye for now. <laughs>